Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Sabda Hussein, who is a mystic, certified high priestess, intuitive guide, and tantrica. We have so much to talk about, Sabda, so let's dive right into this and welcome. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So before we dive into your professional journey, let's talk a bit about your past, my friend, such as where you grew up, and a bit about your journey. Okay, so I grew up in a very middle-class family. My, I'm on the middle class, they're millionaires. But I was adopted by them. It was a very unemotional family, like very emotionally detached. Okay. And uh, love and support meant giving money for you to go away and to be entertained by yourself. Because everything was material, I think life is so much more. And love is time and not money. That is so true. So how do you feel that impacted you growing up? And I just think if you haven't grown up with money, I understand that journey. But because I did, I also understand that life is so much more than money. And that impacted me. And I knew that I was going to love my child or children with everything I had. And I was going to make time. Right. Now, tell me about that. You were adopted and it was an emotionally detached type of situation for you. How did that impact you as you were growing up? What were the choices, some of the choices that you made? The choices were to pack my bag at 14 and walk out of the house Mm. and never go back. How did you do that at 14? Because also because I was adopted, things were said to me like, oh, you're going to be like your real mother, fat, horrible, uh, or, or like your really pretty face. But that was a lot of stuff that I would never believe that you could say to. I would never say that even if I adopted a child. And they cut deep, those things. Mm-hmm. And my mother was, I don't know if you know what I mean by like, she was toxic. I can't say anything else, but she was toxic. And actually, I was really close to her mother. Her mother was the most amazing woman. She died when I was very young. She was the most amazing woman, which interestingly, that she turned out like that. So there was no abuse there. But she was toxic. She was an endless victim. And like she would manipulate things, manipulate the situation, and then tell my adopted dad, which, to be fair, he only reacted to what was told mm-hmm. but it was very difficult and I was always scapegoated mm-hmm. and actually my they had their own son which recently had a conversation which really upset me he's in treatment for PTSD because mm-hmm. he too and I think it's harder for him because they were his real parents mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was upset and was like oh wow it's not just you know it's not just me Right. Actually, he's in treatment, you know. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, that's 
And we each have our own stories, right? So in our own process and how we actually take in and consume the information and words and phrases and things that are said to us. And so how that impacts us later on and how we cope with that really looks different, right? And I think, you know, trauma is the inability to process something Mm. on all levels. And it doesn't matter if you cut your finger off, hurt your toe or something drastic. It's, you know, Somebody can just hurt their toe, but if that trauma isn't processed properly, mm-hmm. that will be just as effective, bad on their how they, you know, operate in the world and losing something. Or so when people say, "Well, it was, you know, it wasn't that bad," it, it, it's about how we. Pro- if you can't process it, it was that bad, right? And if you're stuck somewhere and you can't move forward, then that becomes really toxic and really overwhelming at times. So yes, we have to process those things. It's so important. So at 14, you left the house. What did you do? I just went to my my nearest town, which was like sort of 20 minutes in a car. I was homeless for a long time. Uh, And then I started saying sex. Mm -hmm. I mean, now we look at in in the UK now, that's called, that that would be a victim. But then Mm -hmm. when you became a sex worker, you suddenly became an adult, if you know what I mean. There was no child sex workers were victims. Now it's different, and I'm so, so glad for that. Yeah, right. Because, you know, that industry, the thing I've learned in my journey, the women I've worked with, the street women, that if you don't really leave quickly, it's then even harder and harder and harder to leave. Because right. the money's so easy to make. You're right, right. Wow. So how did you move forward? To be honest, I left, stayed in that job for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. It was only at like 30, I started getting fit. Like people used to call me a professor in the coffee shop because mm-hmm. I've worked in a parlor. I've worked on the street. I've worked high end in my home. But, you know, it started like when I was still working the walk in the street, I started reading and learning and, and people called me a professor. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, I'm outgrowing this. I know I was getting like I'm outgrowing it, but still I had no idea what I was going to do because I'd been that done that job. They were my friends, and that the industry is such that you know you work sort of you don't start work to three in the afternoon. You don't you work to five in the morning. You're really cut off from mainstream. Mm-hmm. And the way now I look at it's a blessing because actually I haven't got all that conditioning like status and all that. In some ways now I can see that the benefit. But also, it's like, well, what am I going to do? I, these women are my life. How can I live leave this? Right. I don't know anything else. Yeah, they were in your, your network. So how did you make that turn, take those steps in your journey that were different? I started watching motivational speakers. Um, I remember watching Lisa Nichols, and she's amazing. And she has a, a extreme story, a bit of a story, but her thing was her husband had been committed for murder. She was wrapping her baby. She only had it. She didn't even have a nappy. And I watched that one morning. It was like 2 a.m. I had just finished. I was really tired. It had been awful weather. And she was like, you know, are, are you actually doing what it takes? Are you prepared to do what it takes? That sentence has motivated me every morning. That sentence made me get up, pack my bag, and leave from one part of the UK to the other. It changed my life. I didn't. It was just that intuition hit, and I thought, I'm going, doing it. As I left that house with those women, I can remember the tears falling down my face because they were my friends. And I still feel that. 
I still, you know, have a, a mission to me to start a foundation to go back there. But I knew I couldn't change being in that job, being there. Right. Well, that is courageous. That is very courageous. And it's interesting what you said about something you did, something you heard. Was that trigger for you that made you take that detour? Yeah, because I hear, you know, sometimes people say, oh, well, motivational quotes, motivational speeches don't actually do anything for anyone. They just make, I think if you're in the right frame of mind, you've had the right day, you'll just hear that thing and that, that is that hit, intuition hit. And I felt like if I don't go now, it might not, I might never go. I'm going now. I pack my bag. I've got the taxi. I just left. But I believe if I hadn't done that in that moment, I still might still be there. Right. And then what did you do? You left and where did you go? What did you do? I think it's really important for people to hear, especially like someone that might be in your situation who might be on the street or who might be struggling. What did you do and where did you go? Because that could have been really difficult for somebody else. I booked three nights in a hotel, a random hotel in a random place. I then decided I was going to claim like welfare. It's the only way, you know, I was going to have to do that. And I was prepared to do that to get to my dream. And so, you know, because some people say, oh, my God, you left all that money. And I, yeah, in that sense, I went from being really quite wealthy mm-hmm. to being not wealthy <laughs> overnight mm-hmm. and not having income. Because I tried to leave before twice mm-hmm. and it never worked because I hadn't done that great, that leap. Right. And so I, I went and lived near in Cumbria, right near the beach. Mm-hmm. And I used to sit on that beach and do gastrotherapy therapy with me because I had read a lot about it, that you you play one role and you play the, you know, the person who perpetrated you. Were, and I took my my stuff out. Yeah, you can say it. <laughs> right. You talk shit your shit out, out right? <laughs> <laughs> my shit out. And yeah. I used to cry and I used to cry and I used to cry and I used to cry. And that went on for one year. Wow. On my own in that, in that. Gotcha. And now, now you are here, right here, you're present, and you're a tantrica, a mystic, a high priestess, an intuitive guide. Talk about that. First of all, what is a tantrica? Can you explain that? You know, people know tantrica as as sex, you know, sex related, Uh right? There's, excuse that pit, but there is spiritual tantrica. It's about we are sacred. Our body, everything about us is sacred. Everything we touch, imagine writing velvet words with a velvet pen across mm. the plate. Well, that could you be know, a book. It's really, it's, yeah, <laughs> I, I am writing a book, actually. <laughs> um, it's really about that self-love journey. I think every woman has to take to really be herself. Mm-hmm. But I also think it starts with knowing that whatever the outside looks like, we're sacred. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. everything we touch everything we see and really being able to be present and it really breathes that into our lungs oh I love that and you just kind of breathe that in and you live it so what is the desired outcome when you support folks through their journeys and your mission and their mission as well my mission is that I'd love to wake up one day knowing every woman on the planet feels love from within and she is that lover for herself, no matter what happens on the outside, no matter people's judgment, no matter people's talking about you, no matter what other people's opinions are, and, and trusting herself 
to take one foot in front of the next and our gifts, our mission, our purpose. You know, people say, what is it? I believe it's our essence. Part of my journey is I lost three children to custody. When I was standing with nothing in that situation, I realized something very magical and people say, you're mad. But like, that was the best experience of my life because when you stood with nothing, you've lost your home, you've lost your children, you've lost everything that you thought was important. You really have to face who you are. And those are the things that in that situation you don't face. I'm creative. I'm spiritual. I'm love no matter what. Yeah. I'm non-judgment. Those are things that really are your purpose. Everybody's purpose. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think once you get clear about that, like you did, taking that severe break from, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to change my journey. I'm going to rent that room for three days, get clear, and then figure out what I want to do. That was a huge step. And I agree with you. This is about taking that step. It's about knowing yourself. It's about understanding yourself. It's about what comes from within. And we all go through trauma to a certain degree, right? And everybody, and it's how that looks, how that feels and what you're going to do about it, but it's also recognizing it, right? So if you don't recognize that it's happening or you keep trying to push it away, push it away and push it away. Yeah. It's an interesting point. When I left home and I got to talk to other people, what I realized, oh my God, not everyone had the child I had. Oh my God. Ooh. That was normal. The way I was treated as a child. I was wandering in the streets at 3 a.m. No one was looking for me. I mean, my daughter's eight, only a few years from 10. And I was doing that at 10. I would be tearing my hair out. But I didn't know that that wasn't normal. Right. Isn't that incredible? So we normalize certain things that happen to us. You know, when I was working in social services and I would see children that were being removed from families or their homes because they had been physically and sexually and emotionally abused, the children would continue to cry for those parents because that was all they knew. That is what they normalize. And so I understand what you're talking about and being maybe that kid that grew up being exposed to different things and saying, wow, this could have been different. Made me really transparent here. Yes, that made me unemotionally available for my own children. Now I'm I'm okay with that now because I peeled that shit. Yeah, I have. I'm. I am the absolute president of my daughter. It is the number one thing in my life that becomes for anything else. I don't care to be homeless as long as I'm emotionally available for my daughter. You know, I lost three children because I was unemotional. Also, I had attachment things because I didn't have you know anybody. A mother, you know, a birth until, and because they were emotionally unavailable, I had that attachment issue. It's quite complicated, you know. So I didn't know how to parent. I didn't know that I was going to spend time with them. I was rushing around cooking, cleaning, you know, houseworking. But actually, the house could have stayed messy and I could have just been present. Mm-hmm. That would have been easier. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been so stressed that it wasn't perfect. I wasn't this perfect mother. Because I was take being a perfect mother from the wrong perspective. Right. Absolutely. I get that. So a lot of the things that we do and that we scurry around to do removes us from being present. 
So, but that's hard to get because of what we've seen, what's been modeled, what's been conditioned, what you think is expected. So it's getting clear about what it means to be present. And you are figuring that out. You've figured that out. I I believe that we don't fully self-actualize until we're gone, right? So we all continue to grow. And that's the beauty of being human is we have that ability to continue to grow and learn. And so I love your process and what you're doing and what you're learning. So you once said it's time to build self-trust and your intuition, which is truth in your womb space and your divine oracle within. This is your own wise and insightful counseling. Can you break this down a bit? Because I thought when I read that, that is so interesting. Talk about that. What does it mean that your truth is your womb space? So, you know, we have a heart and women's, I've studied like ancient mysteries, like goddesses in depth. A heart is one for women. Our womb space is second. And if we can learn to actually listen to it, not the conditioning, really, le- and that takes you know, some work to, do, to get there. Right. But actually, all we've got to ask is, is this the right thing to do? Yes or no? Should I go there? Should I move here? Should I start that job? Should I start my own job? Should I start my own business? Do I really love this man? Do I not? Do I really want a child? Do I not? But we have to do some work. Like really become our own inner lover to get there. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to ask. And we have a divine oracle within. Mm-hmm. We don't need to really go and ask. Anyway, if it's the right. A lot of us, I, mean, I, you know, I did for years, seek approval and, and love from everybody else. Mm-hmm. Actually, we have had that within us. We just have to really build that connection with our womb space to get to the point where we can keep 100% self-trust. I love that. And being your own divine oracle, being your own wisdom and your own insightful counsel and trusting that you can do that. Yeah, because I mean, I, I was in the mental health system. I was withheld without my will. And I took, you know, I was taking 1.24 tablets a day. Wow. Okay. And I took, and it's Troy trigger warning, I took a massive overdose, ended up in a coma. And I, when, I, when I woke up, I realized, do you know what? I'm allowing other people to know what's best for me. Actually, I don't need these tablets. I only need these tablets because they want to make us up. Because I think, I think there's a lot of medicalizing spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. And actually, we just, my dream would be to have a physical place that people can just be because I think it can look like somebody's going mad <laughs> or is mad. But actually, it's just part of like waking up to the truth of who we are. That was part of the process. And, and I just trusted myself that I didn't need those tablets. And I proved right. I don't have any mental illness, even though I was diagnosed with so many. I've been on Medicaid for 15 years. And if I was mentally ill, right. I would have to be medicated. Right. Well, from a clinical perspective and having worked in those locked facilities for years, I would say there are some people who definitely don't need yeah. those medications. There are definitely people who need different coping mechanisms. But what I've seen, Sevda, is especially with young folks, parents will come in and they'll say, give my kids something because they're bouncing off the walls. They're doing A, B, and C, and they'll want this quick fix. But the balance is what about 
the changes in behavior? What about putting some things and new skills into place to help that child cope, to help that family in distress? Because it's not just one factor. It's not just about the kid not coping. It could be genetic. It could be the social issues happening in the family. It could be education. We are multidimensional as humans. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also multidimensional. And not everyone, just some people don't even know who, you know, I mean, me, I was totally stupid. I mean, that, I feel like that was a lot of it. And actually, I'm very intelligent, even though I say so myself. You are so bright, Sevda. I read your stuff. I've seen the evolution of where you began to where you are now. It's wonderful. I love seeing the evolution. I was told by a psychiatrist that I cure 70, which obviously, as you might notice, is not true. So this is what I mean. I wasn't learning stuff I enjoy. I'm really not a person that can, I can't lie very well. Like if I can't pretend I enjoy something or like something, if I don't. Right. Do you know what I mean? I'm oh. one of those people. Well, absolutely. And many people tend to go towards something that they've been told to do or that they know is familiar to them. And it isn't until we maybe get a little older and a little wiser that we look at our ourselves and say, especially during this time, during COVID, we got a lot of this of people doing a lot of self-reflection and saying, what is it that I'm really passionate about? Do I want to go back to that same job? Do I feel valued? How do I value myself differently? How do I understand my passion and my purpose? I think what is what has become really clear, homeschool, I homeschool my daughter. And what's become clear, if a child isn't nurtured or told they're clever, if my daughter does something really, you know, it's awful, right? I'm not going to say to her, oh, my God, that's so awful. I say, oh, you're amazing. It's beautiful. I'm always telling she says, mom, you're crazy. I said, no, I love you. And I think if we nurture someone and tell them, they're going to, people are going to improve. But when we so tell child they're awful, they're no good, they're stupid, guess what happens? They're going to believe it. Right. Right. And I think that was one of the greatest gifts my mother could have given me, Sabda, is that she let me know that I could do anything and that it was beautiful. Even though she had her own things going on in her life, she still instilled that in me, but she also let me make missteps. She also allowed me to make mistakes. Why? Because she said, those are going to be your best teachers, but you're also going to be responsible for getting yourself out of those situations. Absolutely. And I think some school, you know, schooling can be damaging for some children uh, you know, people say, you know, why aren't you saying it? I won't say my daughter's got it. There's one reason is that once the damage is done, I'm doing it. It takes a lot of work and I'm not prepared personally to put my daughter do that. I'm in a position because I'm running my business that I can do that. For me, that's more important than anything. Well, I love your journey. Thank you for answering all these incredible questions and talking about your journey. So, we're coming to the end of the interview. And I do have a last question for you, Sabda. If you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom today, what would they be? They would be every challenge is an opportunity to gain wisdom. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on the Core Women podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. You can connect and follow Sabda Hussein on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. 
Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great. Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.